Hey, it's Mark. Thousands of people thronged to the desert this week for the annual health conference in Las Vegas. The show has exploded in size the last two years and has attracted industry-wide attention that rivals more established conferences. Unlike some other industry events, health's content didn't venture too deeply into the weeds, as glamour and showmanship seemed equally juxtaposed with ambitious startups angling for attention. Nevertheless, speakers tackled some heady health topics. On this week's podcast, we'll dive into observations from on and off the convention hall floor with our own Jack O'Brien, digital editor, and Lesha Bouchak, senior reporter. I'm Mark Iskowitz, editor-at-large, and welcome to the MMM Podcast, medical marketing media's show about healthcare marketing writ large. So I'm speaking with Jack O'Brien and Lesha Bouchak live from this week's health conference in Las Vegas. Jack, you were recording podcasts and attending sessions. Lesha, you were also roaming the conference floor as well as hosting an MMM event, and you both filed stories. Before we jump into specific trends, I just wanted to get your overall quick takes. What's the mood been like? Lesha, I'll throw it to you since it was your first health conference. Yeah, this is my first time in Las Vegas as well, in addition to my first time um, at the health conference. And so for me, my initial takeaways was just how overwhelming everything was, like just the city of Vegas, the the sensory overload, um, the sort of like mazy aspects of a lot of the hotels and everything uh, here. But the conference itself was held at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which I believe is its biggest um, location so far because it has been growing since it started about five years ago. Um, from what I understand, there were over 10,000 people here this year, which uh, was a rise from like the 9,000, I believe, last year. Um, so definitely enormous, probably the biggest uh, health conference I'd ever been to. Um, really cool to see. So uh, yeah, definitely kind of an exciting, exciting uh, first time there. Great. Yeah, it's really becoming the CES for health. Jack? Yeah, I'll piggyback off of what Lesha talked about. This is my second health conference and definitely bigger than last year. It was held at the Venetian last year, and you could definitely tell there were more uh, people here, more booths, more panels, all that sort of stuff. But it was a very invigorating conversation. I think last year was a little bit of uncertainty in the market, just given the way that we were still dealing with COVID and there was the great resignation. I think this year there was a lot of different trends that emerged that had leaders talking. We had a great uh, panel that we hosted, the Head First into Health Equity panel, which really focused on issues around uh, DE&I, health equity, social determinants of health, which got a really good response. So nothing, nothing but good things to report from here. I got to go see Fat Joe and Ashanti last night at industry events or industry night. So that was a lot of fun too. It's, it's always a great time being in Vegas. I can't say anything bad about this city. I'm glad the conference organizers are taking care of the attendees with some good industry events. That's good to hear. Yes. And uh, <laughs> Lesha, we've been reading your dispatches, uh, which have been chock full of trends. Uh, one of the ones um, I know you wanted to dis- discuss was the presence of a number of TikTok patient influencers there and the you know rise of misinformation and how they may be contributing to that and what doctors had to say about that, right? Yes. Uh, so there was a panel on Monday um, that had a few healthcare influencers there in person. And it's always kind of fun, you know, if you're covering TikTok a lot like I do, um, to see these people in person and get the chance to talk to them in person rather than just, you know, see their TikTok videos. But I was able to speak with Austin Lee Chang, who is a gastroenterologist, and he um, is also the chef, chief medical officer at Medtronic. And he's a pretty big um, TikTok influencer. He has over 500,000 followers on TikTok. 
Um, so he spoke at this panel basically talking about his journey of becoming a, an influencer as a physician, uh, the work that he puts into really thoughtfully crafting his videos so that they make the right impact. Um, and I spoke with him afterwards and he really honed in on um, something that I thought was interesting, which is that he's hoping that doctors and med students will be trained at a sort of academic level and how to use social media in the future. He thinks that as more professional, you know, like HCPs and doctors get on TikTok and social media platforms and become better at communicating uh, to patients and the general audience through these platforms, the better um, it will be to sort of help people sort through the uh, inaccurate health information that's on these platforms. So um, that was an interesting takeaway. Yeah, like the notion of, you know, doctors uh, like uh, Austin Lee Chang, who are also very familiar with interfacing with industry. And in his case, he works for uh, the, one of the biggest uh, med tech companies uh, in the world, um, kind of serving in that in that capacity as uh, helping, you know, sift through uh, what's what's real and what's not. Uh, you also heard an update um, on ARPA-H, which is the government's new kind of innovation lab. Uh, what, what did you find out about that, Alesha? Yes. Yeah, so um, the deputy director of ARPA-H, Susan Collar Moneros, was present, and she was on a panel with former FDA commissioner, Dr. Scott Gottlieb. And um, Susan basically was talking a little bit about what ARPA-H is planning on doing with the $2.5 billion um, it's been allotted, since I think a lot of people have been wondering, this is a new uh, this is a new division of NIH. Um, is it going to be similar to DARPA or, you know, what, what's gonna, what are they going to be doing with this money? Um, and she basically said that, um, you know, they're, they're going to be focusing on supporting businesses and startups that have a, an idea for a scientific breakthrough. Um, there's no particular therapeutic area that they're focusing on. They're kind of taking a broad range of it. Um, and she was actually calling for um, innovators present at the conference this week to basically get in touch with ARPA-H and start connecting and hoping to kind of get that pipeline of new businesses going. Um, and so she noted, um, we're going to go out and recruit innovative folks. Many of them may be in this room who have a burning desire to address a problem, a challenge, an organ transplantation or provider reimbursement or anything else to improve healthcare outcomes. We want to bring in those technical experts who are ready to champion breaking through on the status quo and put those programs under our very agile and straightforward process. And um, I also got the chance to speak with Jared Adams, who is the head of communications at ARPA-H a little later. And that is going to be one of our podcast interviews that will publish later in the, in the next few weeks. So definitely keep an eye out for that. Great. And, and not to be undone, uh, the, the FDA, while you were away, um, issued a announcement today, this afternoon, Wednesday afternoon, to be specific, um, saying that they've established a new advisory committee on digital health technologies um, that will help the FDA explore scientific and technical issues related to such uh, tools as digital health technologies, um, or excuse me, uh, such digital health technologies as artificial intelligence and machine learning, augmented reality, virtual reality, DTX, or digital therapeutics, wearables, remote patient monitoring, uh, and software. Uh, and so uh, this committee is going to um, consist of a core of nine voting members, including a chair, um, and uh, this is designed to, you know, help facilitate the, uh, you know, regulatory clearance of uh, technologies uh, that can help 
uh, as Jeffrey Shuren, uh, director of uh, the FDA Center for Devices and Radiological Health, put it, uh, advanced health equity by expanding access. Uh, so interesting, um, you know, announcement by another government agency there. You also mentioned that there were a number of other celebrities uh, present uh, last year, right? And Howie Mandel uh, talking about his OCD and Chelsea Clinton uh, talking about um, an interesting aspect of health, right? Yeah, Chelsea Clinton had one of the last panels on Tuesday afternoon. She was one of the several celebrities, as you mentioned, Mark, that health brings in to sort of add to the showy affair of health. Um, And she was talking about longevity, but from an interesting angle. Um, You know, it is this conference about innovation, but she instead focused on how investing in children and basically even before kids are born, like during pregnancy, addressing things like maternal mortality, parent resources, uh, the pediatrician shortage, nutritional food, those kinds of things um, are going to contribute a lot more to longevity than necessarily, you know, cutting edge research or technology that's that's happening more on the innovation side. Um, so that was really something that she was hammering home during her talk. Her ultimate point was that we have failed consistently to prioritize our kids, noting that Maternal mortality rates have risen. Um, suicide among kids has also risen, and the, the rate of kids being killed by firearms has risen. Um, and she noted that we know that we're not doing enough to support our caregiving infrastructure or to support parents to have the resources to care for their children. And at the end of her, her talk, when asked, you know, if she had any radical ideas of how to address some of these things, she said immediately to invest in women founders. So that was uh, some of the main main takeaways from from Chelsea's talk. Very interesting. And Jack, I wanted to also bring you in here uh, because you had some great conversations um, in the podcast booth um, on things like generative AI and, and other uh, digital health technologies. Uh, give us some highlights there. Yeah, it was really interesting. We had in total 15 uh, podcast guests, which will be coming out over the next few weeks. Had a lot of great conversations with people from you know blue chip healthcare companies. We spoke with the chief clinical trials officer at Walgreens, spoke with executives from Vive Healthcare and GSK, but also companies that are doing a lot of different uh, interesting stuff around destigmatizing mental health and expanding uh, services for patients. So it was really interesting. Generative AI continues to be a really big focus for um, you know pharma companies and healthcare brands of all sorts, including different marketing executives I spoke with. I think they all kind of see it as an opportunity to really expand the work that they're doing and kind of supercharge operations, but with an idea that humans are going to be there to kind of audit any results that come through, you know, for plagiarism purposes, for accuracy and things of that nature. So that was top of mind. You know, it was certainly a bunch of conversation around GLP-1s and weight loss drugs. I spoke with the executive from Weight Watchers who announced a partnership with Sequence as part of their new weight loss uh, prescription drug program that they're going to be uh, rolling out in these next few months. So a lot of interesting conversations. Really look forward to our listeners being able to get a, a glimpse of what uh, life is like here at Health. And as I said earlier, it just continues to get bigger. I mean, just bigger names all the time. I was walking by on the conference floor and just kind of looked back. I was like, oh, that's Alex Azar. That's the former HHS secretary. And, you know, the fact that Nick Jonas was here earlier in the night, you know, taking a break from the the concert tour life to be able to be around the healthcare community was truly something else. So it's always a lot of fun when you guys come out here and get to see, you know, all the different conversations taking place and all the different ideas that get thrown around and insights that people are willing to share. Yeah, I think um, Weight Watchers um, 
they bought sequence uh beginning of this year um and you know making a move that was pretty controversial at the time into you know prescribing you know GLP1s um as as they saw their business model really impacted uh you know by the uh, popularity of of med- medications like Ozempic and uh Munjaro and and Wegovia of course um so that that's really fascinating and Lesha you mentioned that there was a, a session also on the stage about employer coverage for GLP1s which has been kind of an ongoing topic as well what what was the update there yeah, I would say this was one of the most interesting panels I actually sat in on, um, on you know, at Health. Um, there was definitely quite a bit of tension around this issue. Um, so this panel featured uh, Roe Chief Medical Officer Melinda Barnes, Verda Health Chief People Officer uh, Lucia Guillory, and Omada Health President Weili Shao, as well as Andreas Meng, who is the Senior Managing Director of Private Equity Firm Blackstone. So this panel focused on whether employers should cover GLP-1s for their employees moving forward. Um, Given the fact there's been such an increase in demand for these drugs, so many people want to get on them. Um, They're also extremely expensive. So they basically started out the panel. Andreas Meng basically said, you know, if companies continue to cover GLP-1s for their employees, Given the rising demand and you know the high prices, they will basically these companies will go out of business eventually. His quote, I believe, was the economic reality is that companies have to make hard decisions. Um, companies will be put out of bus- business. They literally won't be able to do anything other than pay for GLP ones. You know, Melinda Barnes had sort of a counter argument to that. Um, she came from it more from the patient perspective and argued that. Um, I believe she said exactly, if you're a patient looking at this panel, the point of view is of employers looking at books or looking at the finances, but nobody's asking what patients are actually saying. And she said, you know, I'm not advocating that everyone writes a prescription for GOP1s, but it should be a conversation between a a physician and a patient and not a conversation in a boardroom about whether this medication should be covered. So I feel, you know, an argument was almost about to break out on stage during this panel. Um, and a lot of the, the concerns that um, were kind of going around is that the, the drugs do work, but the long-term adherence to them isn't necessarily, I guess, guaranteed. And they're, they're saying that, you know, the data shows that once people get off the drugs, a lot of them end up getting the weight back. So, you know, the arguments around sort of like, should employers cover this? Like, what's what are the financial implications of that when it really comes down to uh, the patients as well? So pretty interesting panel. It sounds like it indeed. Well, you know, it reminds me a lot of the conversation around Alzheimer's drugs, you know, or really any high price drug that affects a large group of patients in terms of sustainability of the healthcare system uh, in the face of, you know, a pretty large expense if, if it's going to be taken up uh, by either, you know, public or private payers. Well, celebrities, you know, fascinating onstage talks um, and, um, you know, just all around. um, Sounds like health has just kind of kicked things up a notch, you know, uh, this year. Uh, But you two are are our VIPs. Uh, So thank you so much uh, for, for, uh, you know, giving us your observations from Las Vegas. And we uh, hope you have a safe trip home. We'll see you back in New York City later this week. Thanks, Mark. I look forward to going back to the East Coast. And I look forward to being back in studio with both of you uh, next week for a full episode. So it'll be a treat for our audience. (laughs) Sounds great. 
That's it for this week. The MMM podcast is produced by Bill Fitzpatrick, Gordon Failer, Lesha Bushak, and Jack O'Brien. Our theme music is by Sizzy M. Sone. Rate, review, and follow every episode wherever you listen to podcasts. New episodes out every week. And be sure to check out our website, mmm-online.com, for the top news stories in pharma marketing.